what's good everyone and welcome back to kaya's commentary and if you're new here welcome to kaya's commentary this is a podcast that offers commentary on pop culture topics real world issues anything in between and maybe even some advice every now and then before we get down to it you can follow me on instagram twitter and tiktok at kaya r pennington and you can follow kaya's commentary on instagram twitter and tiktok at kaya's commentary also be sure to hit the follow slash subscribe button and the bell so you get notified when new videos drop with that let's kick it into our first segment informational and educational 29 days of black history where i drop a black history fact that is informational and educational today we're talking about writer and civil rights activist james baldwin all information for this fact comes from nmaahc.si.edu pbs.org and biography.com The grandson of an enslaved person, James Baldwin was born in Harlem in 1924. Raised by his mother and preacher stepfather, Baldwin, although he would take issue with said stepfather, would follow him into ministry, serving as a youth minister from ages 14 to 16. Even then, as he viewed the poverty around him, Baldwin seemed to be aspiring to greater things, once saying, quote, I knew I was black, of course, but I also knew I was smart. I didn't know how I would use my mind or even if I could, but that was the only thing I had to use." Between spending his time in the library and the pulpit, Baldwin seemed to have an immediate passion for reading and writing and would showcase his writing skills working on his high school's magazine alongside photographer Richard Avedon. His work for said magazine would showcase literary devices so well versed for someone his age one couldn't help but take note. In needing to help his family after the death of his stepfather, Baldwin took many jobs where he would face unequal treatment and discrimination. While working as a freelance writer, he'd become acquainted with novelist Richard Wright, who'd help him obtain a fellowship grant to help Baldwin financially. He'd published several essays and short stories before moving to Paris to finish working on his novel. Of the move, he'd tell the New York Times, quote, Once I found myself on the other side of the ocean, I see where I come from very clearly. I am the grandson of a slave, and I am a writer, and I must deal with both, end quote. Baldwin's first novel, Go Tell It on the Mountain, is considered a loosely based autobiography expressing the trials a young man from Harlem faced as he dealt with father issues. After that, he published Giovanni's Room about an American residing in Paris. The work also explored themes of homosexuality, a topic not publicly spoken about often at the time. Baldwin, a sexually fluid person himself, would further explore the topic in later pieces such as Just Above My Head, which also played with themes of interracial relations, also a topic not publicly spoken about of the time. Other compelling works by Baldwin include Notes of a Native Son, Nobody Knows My Name, and The First and the Fire Next Time, which explored the racial tensions, black identity, and other shared black experiences those faced in America. The Fire's Next Time, whose purpose in part was to shed a light on white Americans through the black American point of view, was so well received it would get Baldwin on the cover of Time magazine. Of the work, he'd say, quote, if we do not falter in our duty now, we may be able to end this racial nightmare, end quote. Baldwin, in addition to his observational work of the race relations in America, was equally present in the ongoing fight for equality. He returned to the States, traveling to the South to report on the racial horrors in a rampant Jim Crow era. He'd also be a part of both the 1963 March on Washington and the 1965 March from Selma to Montgomery. In addition to that, Baldwin also met with several lawmakers, including then Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy. After Baldwin called out the Kennedy administration in a telegraph to Robert F. Kennedy about the lack of action in the Jim Crow era, uh, Kennedy and he would have an informal meeting where he, Kennedy would ask Baldwin to gather other black influences that the black community would listen to. 
Baldwin would come back with several such celebrities, including Harry Belafonte, Lena Horne, one of Martin Luther King Jr.'s advisors, Clarence Benjamin Jones, June Shagaloft of the NAACP, and many others. Unfortunately, the meeting would be a non-starter as Kennedy, an Irish-American, and his members had a pull-yourself-up-by-the-bootstraps mentality, whereas Baldwin and his members were adamant that you can't work within the system to pull yourself up by the bootstraps when the system itself is the problem. Of the meeting, Baldwin will later sum it up as, quote, Bobby Kennedy only got here yesterday and is now already on his way to the presidency. We were here for 400 years and now it's if we, and now he tells us that maybe in 40 years, if you are good, we may let you become president, end quote. Still, Baldwin was constantly in hopes for a better society, even in the face of such racial horrors, including the assassinations of Megar Eggers, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King Jr., all of which impacted him and his work greatly. In another interview, he'd note the hypocrisy of humans, saying, quote, any white man that says, give me liberty or give me death, the entire white world applauds. When a black man says the exact same thing, word for word, he is judged a criminal and treated like one. End quote. Baldwin would pass away December 1st, 1987 from stomach cancer. Although he witnessed such horror, the advocation for a better society, for unity, still lived with him. And his legacy, his mission to quote, bear witness to the truth, lives on in his work. He is once quoted as saying, I am what time, circumstance, history have made me, certainly, but I am also much more than that. So are we all. End quote. Inspiring words indeed. And that is your Black History Fact for the week. With that, let's kick it into our second segment, Unpopular Opinions, where I give my commentary on an unpopular opinion that I have. This one may or may not be an unpopular opinion, maybe more of a hot take. Who knows? It's just something that I'm noticing and I'm also noticing that a lot of people feel this way and I'm feeling another way. Uh, it's okay to photograph special times. <laughs> so, um... A lot of the time, there be this argument that why do you always have to have your phone in? And I want to I want to note here right now, this isn't just by the older generation, okay? It's people within my generation, uh, within uh, the previous generation who've had access to phones, technology. So it's not just older, older people. And I kind of get it, right? Especially if it's like a concert, you don't want to be like recording the whole thing, watching the whole concert from your phone. I get that. And so I definitely get the argument that you don't always have to have your phone out however uh these are once in a lifetime opportunities like i i don't it's not a fully blown aggravation to me to see somebody like recording your time whatever happened to being present i am present and i'm presently wanting to remember this time like it's it's not a bad thing sitting here recording obviously don't record the entire concert but recording like one or two of your favorite songs from a concert and i also understand if it's like the artist or whoever you want to see is like hey no phones be present okay you have to you know abide by their rules but um recording one or two songs uh from this artist uh journaling down video journaling down uh time uh, places that you've been and you just want to like what's wrong with that what's wrong with that i think i don't want to say people are in, so in their head to be different because a lot of people share this sentiment so it's not a quote-unquote different pov but um it's 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 not not present right like you're still there and as long as you're not recording like an entirety you don't pull out this whole tripod and you're just making everybody around you uncomfortable i don't 
get the problem with recording. It's okay to record special events. Cause like, we only here once. I wanna remember some stuff. Like last year, 2023 was my first time traveling. I went to California twice. I went to DC. You best believe I'm gonna pull out and record the stuff. I was on the, I was on the plane. I was on a plane just recording the clouds go by because it was the first time I had ever been on a plane. Somebody might have said that, oh my gosh, she is such a tourist. She is whatever. Yes, I am. Like, I am. And I'm going to record it so that I can remember this time for later. Like, that doesn't take me out of the moment because you don't, you can't see my point of view, right? So from my point of view, I'm still in the moment. I'm still present and I'm also still wanting to remember this later. This is such a moment for me that i want to remember it later like i don't think it's so as long as you're not like being a butthole about recording and of course you know following the general public rules about just you're not the main character um i don't see the problem and it's it's really kind of maddening that so many people have to me so many people have this take of whatever happened to just living in the moment and you're just like you can't see i am living in the moment and i want to remember this moment like you're the butthole for sitting here trying to police how i have fun as long as you're not being an obtuse butthole about how you're going about it i don't see the problem and of course if the artist asks fine but i don't see the problem and i don't want y'all to like let people you know have their fun in their own time and mind you like i said this isn't just from older generations like i can be present i can be present i don't i don't see i don't see the big deal about it certainly if you're not being a butthole about it and you're not having main character energy about it i don't see the problem that's just a little quick little perhaps unpopular opinion um that i have pop unpopular opinion hot take that i have with that, let's kick it into our third and final segment. It's so cool to be like already into the third and final segment and we're 10 minutes in because I have no, I never have an idea of how long my reviews will take. Um, like last week, I didn't intend for The Hunger Games, the snake songbirds and snakes to take an hour and it did. So uh, it's, I, I'm really enjoying this and hoping that I can keep to my, um, time limit of 45 minutes I'm, I'm enjoying seeing if i'm gonna beat or break my own record you guys just have no idea with that let's kick it into our third and final segment let's go to the movies uh where i give my commentary on a movie i've seen today's movie we're talking miss juneteenth so uh, this movie is about turquoise jones and her daughter kai turquoise jones was a uh, rainy miss juneteenth the miss juneteenth is very much a, a miss america i guess pageant um but it's and i'm sure they hold these in, in galveston texas for real um but it's a juneteenth pageant and the winner gets a uh, full ride to any hbcu of their choice and you do the duties that uh, miss america or miss usa whatever would have so torco jones was once a miss juneteenth but she didn't get to take her final week of uh, walking as Miss Juneteenth, reigning as Miss Juneteenth because she ended up getting pregnant with Kai. And now she's a struggling somewhat single parent because the father is in the picture, but we'll get to him later. 
And so we're like 15 years down the road. Kai's 15, she's 14, about to be 15. And uh, Turquoise wants her to sign up for Miss Juneteenth. It's really kind of, she's almost pushing her ideals of this is an important thing uh, that you should care about. But also she wants Turquoise to be able to afford whatever kind of school that she wants to go to. She wants her to have better opportunities and not become a teen parent like she did. So let's get into it. It starts with Turquoise Jones uh, remembering about winning the Miss Juneteenth pageant as the Lift Every Voice and Sing plays. Uh, we cut to her at work. She's working at a small town bar, a little hole in the wall bar, and she's cleaning toilets. Um, she somewhat hates that her picture, because her boss Wayman has her Miss Juneteenth picture up on the wall, and she kind of hates it. But it's like, no, you can't, for you can't let these people, these folks, forget that they being served by a former Miss Juneteenth. Take note. So she wants to enroll her daughter into the pageant, um, and she's trying to make enough money. She's trying to make enough money to get a new dress for her daughter, and she's finally reached her goal of 800 plus a little bit of change. We see her on again, off again partner Ronnie. Uh, she goes him to ask, she goes to him to ask him to watch Kai, her daughter, and he's like, "Well, I gotta work late tonight, but you know, we'll see what we can do. Um, but also, I want to be a full time." you know, figure in her life. They have an on-again, off-again relationship. We see the Kai got a little boyfriend that her mama doesn't really approve of, and we also get the brief history of the Miss Juneteenth pageant and Juneteenth in general. We find out that you get a scholarship to any HBCU of your choice. So Turquoise doesn't get to take her final walk, uh, reigning walk as queen. We find that out because she ended up getting pregnant. Um, but as she's signing Kai up, we see the snooty runner-up that Turquoise beat and so they have a little moment and it's just it was like girl how many years ago was it's one thing for turquoise to care about this so much but at least she she trying to push it on her daughter because it's like hey you know this could get you into any college that you want she this this lady just in here like mm, i didn't realize you had a daughter that you know was that age that you couldn't roam best of luck it's all snooty like it's all mm. Caddy and Kaya's like, Well, what is her deal? Turquoise is like, I beat her, and she is jealous. Um, so Turquoise does it all while raising her uh, daughter. She works the bar, she's trying to get the money for the dress, she's trying to get her daughter to care about this pageant. Ronnie is there, yeah, somewhat. Uh, at the end of the night, he surprises Turquoise, and they have a little moment. They you see that there's still love there. Uh, the following morning, Turquoise and Kai kind of have like a mama-daughter moment about like a short skirt and Turquoise is like, no, that skirt needs to be knee-length. People from the Miss Juneteenth the committee could see you. You have to be quote-unquote presentable. She didn't say presentable, but you know. Um, Ronnie promises to be there more and she has resistance towards it. So there's feelings there, but also Ronnie just doesn't seem as dependable as she needs him to be. Uh, she asked him for money for a new dress and he doesn't have it. Like I said, we got to the goal of $800 for the dress, but now we need like a down payment and all of that. So we need a little bit more than just 800 and some 62 cent change. She also works part-time as a mortician. She is a hustler by survival. She does it all. And her boss at the mortician, uh, Bacon, he hits on her frequently and she constantly tells him no. She makes money, but it's never enough because there are always bills to be paid. 
Kai does get accepted into Miss Juneteenth, but she wants to do the dance team and Turk is against it because I might call her, I might go in between calling Turquoise Turk and Turquoise because I'm trying to keep, I am stuttering up my words a little bit and I just want to keep it mouthful down. But, so Turk has uh, hesitance towards it. She's like, no, nah, I don't want you to do the kind of dancing that they doing on the dance team. We're going we gonna to try something else. You're you going to focus on this pageant. So the registration the registration fee is four hundred dollars, which Ronnie, the dad, he does help out. So of course, really wants to Kai to focus on her studies on school and the pageant instead of dancing. Kai really just wants to dance. So Turquoise and Kai go get a dress, and it's a pretty blue dress. But the the lady at the store is really kind of I don't do layaway, so you gotta pay it in full. And it's like who said anything about layaway? I, I can afford this dress. Kai, uh, Tarkos doesn't do all of that, but she's like, I'll put the down payment on it right now and then come back uh, next week for the rest. I got it. So we see a church scene because Kai uh, needs to be watched. Uh, Tarkos doesn't let Kai stay home alone. She's 14 going on 15. Ooh, I remember those struggles. I would always, we're not going to get into my personal life, but I remember those struggles of not being able to be home alone simply because I was female. I was a girl. So, Turquoise goes to the church to ask her mother to watch Kai. Uh, Miss Mama, she catching the Holy Spirit. And so, she, she very much one of those church folk. And she's like, oh, you should come to service. And Turquoise is like, I don't have time. And she's like, mm, well, I ain't got time to watch Kai. That's your child, not mine. She really one of those quote unquote saved women. So she refuses to help Turquoise. Kai really wants to uh, do the dance team turquoise uh, for her talent at the pageant. Turquoise wants her to do Phenomenal Woman, which is the poem Turquoise won with. Uh, she also semi-performs Phenomenal Woman and somewhat we clearly see is she's living through Kai, but at the same time she does really want the best for her. Ronnie gets arrested for shooting an alligator and it's like 700 to get him out and uh, 5800 for actually shooting the gator. So that's even more financial problems for Turquoise. Kai goes to the dinner uh, pageant practice and finds out how cutthroat it can be. She, they're testing their knowledge of like the silverware and the plates and all of that. And she kind of forgets something and she's glancing at another girl and the girl's like, stop copying me, which we all supposed to be picking up the same thing. So why am I copying you? And so she also kind of gets, um, she also kind of gets humiliated kind of semi by the snooty girl the snooty woman who has beef with turquoise and kai picks up the wrong dinner knife and um she's like that's a salad knife not a dinner knife you certainly wouldn't want to eat the main course with that <laughs> and you know the other girls kind of laugh and it's so crazy because it's like one that, that whole one could argue uh, white supremacy within the um system of of your pageant one so when you see another woman with her crown slipping you pull it back up you push it back up you don't snatch it down like that's literally not what we're training you guys you girls to do here so y'all being a don't stop copying on me and oh you wouldn't want to you know eat the main crust like that <laughs> being all snooty and catty like it's like I know these kind of pageants can be cutthroat, but at the same time, check yourself. This is 
it's one thing if it's an actual pageant and you can it's already clear that white supremacy is there but then this is a historically black pageant check yourself check yourself also i've taken the home ec classes i i know or at least i was taught about all the different silverware i don't care it's pointless stupid moving on um, it's Kai's birthday the following day, the following week, but the lights are out at home and Turquoise truck stops. Again, bills to be paid, but Turquoise does the best she can. She gets Kai a necklace, she gets her a birthday cake, and they have a little fun. Um, and then we get to the next shot, and this little Miss Save Mama apparently ain't so safe. Turquoise finds her wasted at the bar, and she ends up taking care of her mama. And her mama was like, oh, was I a good mother? And Turquoise is like, you know what? Let's not. Let's not. I'm just, I'm just gonna wash your face. I'm gonna tuck you in. We ain't gonna do all of that. Kai and her bro boyfriend chill, and he stays the night. And Turquoise finds out, and she and Kai kind of get into it because Kai she's becoming resentful. She doesn't want to do the pageant. Um, Turquoise won't let her hang out with her little boyfriend, and so she's like, "Oh, you used to be a stripper, and you sitting here judging me. Oh, uh, you this age, and I'm this age. So clearly, and so they get into a little bit of argument." But they, they iron it out. We get more Miss Juneteenth pageant info and then the info of Juneteenth in general. Turquoise bails Ronnie out of jail. Um, and we come we cut to when he's dancing with Kai and Turquoise gets in on it. So it's a little semi-cute family thing where it's just like outside world is ignored for a couple minutes. Renovations need to be done on the boss, on the bar. And we see Wayman, the bar boss, come in as turquoise is telling him this kind of stuff she's like it's the american dream to aspire to more so what's wrong with that and he's like ain't no american dream for black folk we gotta hold on to what we got so turquoise wants better and wayman talks about how it feels to own something he's like yeah we could possibly do better but at the same time this is mine and it feels good to just own that and i don't want to be asking white folk for loans and being indebted to them in that way so turquoise and bacon remember bacon is her mortician boss he hits on her again and she says no again kai and her boyfriend chill and she's complaining about the pageant and he's like well find a way to make it your own you don't want to do it find a way to make it your own so kai and Tur turquoise they have another mama daughter argument where kai throws it in turquoise face that she used to be a stripper she did what she had to do to get bills and the reason she's kind of pushing Kai is because she doesn't want Kai to ever be in these kind of positions where she has to do whatever it takes to get bills. Um, mom, So we get to Turquoise's mom and she says, oh actually yeah I will watch Kai this next time. It's a whole different tune. Or maybe not. Because she prays over Turquoise and Kai and they start throwing holy water on her and it's very clearly a oh release the demons release the demons type thing so kai and turquoise start to leave and the turquoise and her mama get into it and she ends up slapping turquoise so she and kai leaves and the mama kind of walks off like she allows calls so turquoise has like we almost see her have a breaking point but she, she tries to continue on um so kai practices her pageant poem um almost somewhat to uh leave turquoise and we also see turquoise pressing kai's hair kai expresses that she kind of doesn't want to do the pageant turquoise expresses her hopes that she had for the pageant and for kai um and only reason she didn't take her final running walk again she got pregnant so wayman barboss he has a heart attack 
And so Turquoise waits for um, Ronnie to get out to get to the dress. They're at the shopping center where they're waiting for the dress. Um, he doesn't show up, and so she has to beg the lady to get to the uh, to get her the dress because she only needs it at this point. She only needs it for one night, so they're they're practicing their walking of the stage, and she only needs it for one night. But the lady is like, I told you, we don't do layaway, we don't do this. I rushed to get this ready. You still ain't got my money sorry not sorry so um kai has to do the walking pageant without a dress she shows up in like shorts and a shirt and we see the other the other girls laughing at her again when you see another woman's crown slipping you push it back on her head you don't yank it off this whole thing is in part why i don't care for pageants as a whole but that's neither here nor there so Turquoise finds Ronnie at home. He still doesn't have the money. He bought a car shop and he's continuing to make promises. But Turquoise, she's really kind of over it at this point. She's at her wit's end. So she says nothing. She's she's just done. And Kai is the one to put Ronnie out. Uh, Kai, the next morning, tries to pull Turquoise out of her funk by practicing her uh, poem with her. And they go looking for another dress at Goodwill. Now, Turquoise dress did come from Goodwill, so Ronnie was like, why you can't just get her a dress from Goodwill? And Turquoise is like, I want her to have the best. And she's like, you want, he's like, you won with that dress, but I want her to have the best. It ain't about none of that. But they do end up going to Goodwill to look for a dress. Um, and it ends up with uh, Kai is going to wear Turquoise dress, and they'll just do some alterations to it bacon he just won't stop he, he asked turquoise to a dance that they're having for wayman um and all the there's like a fundraising event and all the funds go to his hospital bill um so they go to the dance they have a nice time and then it's towards the end of the night ronnie comes back he's mad that uh, turquoise is with bacon and his boy has to drag him away bacon kind of gets upset at turquoise because he's like oh some women just don't know what they want and he just wants to know if she wants him and it doesn't seem to be the case. Mind you, she was constantly turning him down again and again. So, this was a fundraising event. I was just going, like, but uh, she basically says, I just need time to myself. She ends up decompressing on the porch with a cigarette and her crown on her head. We get to the Juneteenth celebration. And like I said, I actually imagine that they do the stuff in Galveston, Texas, which I think is really cool. Uh, Turquoise contemplates putting her ring back on. It's been sitting in her drawer. Ultimately, she decides to go and pawn it. And we get to the day of the pageant. There are many talents. Kai contemplates what she wants to do. She's going to do her poem, but it's like how she's going to make it her own. She ends up taking out her press. Her hair was still pressed. Um, and she does a dance interpretation with the poem Phenomenal Woman. At the end of it all, Kai doesn't win and she apologizes to Turquoise because she was like, I know how hard you worked for this. Turquoise has to accept that Kai didn't want to do it and that she doesn't have to be Miss Juneteenth because she's uh, Miss Kai Marine Jones, queen of it all. So they're at the bar now. Wayman comes in. Um, they have a little talk, but he's like, I, I guess I am going to have to go sell to those white folk because I can't keep it running with the hospital bills. Turquoise is like, let me buy the bar from you and any other short change, I'll just, you know, work to pay it up. So he ends up giving her the deed. She and Kai chill in front of the bar and eat ribs. And Turquoise allows Kai to do the dance team. That's really the film. It's a pretty somewhat short, about an hour and 35-ish minutes. Uh, pretty 
decent independent film it's one of those you know you can't make your kids live your life your dream uh films in a good way um i don't have any really major problems of it except maybe the fact that it does at times seem a little hopeless i wouldn't go so far as to call it like trauma porn i've seen somebody some people call it trauma porn and it's like or I, I wouldn't go so far as to call it that because this is a lived experience for many black women in America. So I'm not going to say it's trauma porn. But sometimes uh, it does feel a little hopeless. Like bills to be paid, lights are out, birthday, your truck goes out, can't get the dress. This happens, that happens. Like, wow, a lot of it kind of uh, piles on. So it it's a little hard. To keep from feeling hopeless but at the same time one could almost make the argument that that's the point of the film like you can't you're just so close and you can't really make ends meet and you have to keep trying and it's just so i guess one could really make the argument that that's almost the point um i also like i said i don't have any real complaints with this film except like the pressing of the daughter's hair you're pressing her hair for a Miss Juneteenth pageant, this is Black Pride. This is Black Pride. You're pressing her hair? If you don't let them curls flow, let that afro show, like, this is a Miss Juneteenth pageant. Why are we pressing her hair? <laughs> also, again, the snootiness of one, uh, the lady who Turquoise beat out. This is years down the road. You bullying her daughter because she beat you years ago? Like, be serious also like when you see another woman's crown falling you push it back up on her head you don't snatch it off and that's a lot of what these girls and they were young to be fair they're young but even still like you as the older woman who's just jealous because her mama beat you are adding on to that and like i uh, you can make the argument that pageants work in a way and they're a good deal for many good reasons but also the level of cutthroat and pageants like this and it's like i don't know i just expect us to have a little bit more unity i'm just saying i know that's naive i'm just saying uh we didn't really see many of the other talents we saw a few we saw some dancing we saw some uh uh not miming what's the ventriloquism um we saw a little bit of acting a little bit of uh monologue but we didn't see much um and not to say that kai was the greatest but you know maybe she could have you know at least one runner-up second runner-up or you know first runner-up i guess you know if she had it might not have propelled uh turquoise into realizing that you know kai is her own person she has her own dreams and the best you can do is support that in the best way you can um I don't know, maybe like second up, because you know, it wasn't so bad. The dance interpretation of Phenomenal Woman, it wasn't so bad. It, it wasn't, I don't know, especially since we didn't see everybody, like, maybe runner up. Also, speaking of Phenomenal Woman, like I said, Nicole Bahari uh, semi performs it in the movie. I would really, I would really be interested in hearing her completely perform phenomenal woman like one of the reasons i'm not even gonna lie to you one of the reasons that drew me to this film was because this was one of the first uh films that bahari had done after sleepy hollow drama and being blacklisted and so 
coming back and coming back strong with this performance I sorry I might be a little bit about it I did wait to tell you I was gonna be a little bit of bias but I'm gonna give it like a seven and a half to an eight out of ten um, I think it's a really decent independent film it, just, it can feel a little hopeless but at the same time these are the feelings that a lot of black people black women in America kind of like face so you can make the argument that it's pretty realistic um, but overall I think it's an enjoyable film an enjoyable enough film it's on Netflix if you want to check it out um, I think you really get a sense of connection like I think the cast is pretty well casted and mama daughter moments do seem to hit so um, seven and a half to eight out of ten and like I said I really I would really love to hear Nicole Bahar perform Phenomenal Woman. Like, I just, it's a dream. With that, that's Let's Go to the Movies, and that's Kaya's commentary clocking this in like 32 minutes, 33 minutes. So, awesome sauce. Thanks for listening and watching. If you like this episode, please like this episode. Hit the thumbs up button. Uh, leave likes. Let me know any of your thoughts and opinions on any of the segments that I had. Be respectful. We can have a conversation with one another, but only if we are respectful. But certainly let me know any of your thoughts and opinions about any of the segments that I had. Uh, don't forget to follow me on all my social media. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. See you next time.